What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
Hello, can anybody hear me? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. I think it stays. Yeah, I think it stays muted until I enter the um, password, which they changed the password, and I didn't have it saved into our group. The pin. There's a pin, and it's not what it used to be. So, yeah. and I didn't have it saved. Oh well, you guys are worth the wait. So I had to go search it out. even just trying one it still wouldn't unmute everything so I think the password unmutes everyone so we're here we made it yay <laughs> yay how is everybody who is everybody here, <laughs> present, mostly. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, weather-wise, it's been really warm, so that has been sort of challenging. Uh, but you guys in North Carolina have air conditioning. A lot of the houses here on the coast don't have air conditioning because you never used to need it. I mean, for like 30 years, we never needed it. There was like, you know, maybe two or three days a year where you would actually possibly need AC. But in the past five or six years, there's like weeks. So our weather pattern has changed. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, Cheryl? Last week was hard. Yeah. Hard week. It was a hard week. Oh. Glad it's over. Glad I'm home. Mm. Oh. Yeah, not fun. Not fun at all. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was what it was. Glad to be home. My own environment. And, yeah. A week will require some familial conversation when we're not right in the middle of post-surgery. So, but it'll have to wait until that heals up a bit. So, I didn't want to do it at that time, but it will need to happen. Because I have at least earned being treated respectfully. That did not happen, and I wasn't a big fan. You went all that way and got shit on? Just, it was 
good news is behind me now. So I have time to regroup, figure out what my next moves will be. But why people felt entitled to talk and act in a certain way, I am unsure. But hadn't have been okay with Jack, it wouldn't have been okay. So on some level, a kid thinks it's okay. And so that's that's where the conversation needs to happen. So kind of painful for me. Well, probably I, I don't feel very capable of talking about it very much. I'm still pretty still feeling fairly wounded about it all. So it could derail our whole call, which I'm not I'm not inclined to do because I just need time to need some time to try and myself together on it. I just wasn't expecting what I got, so at all. And I think that made it harder. So wasn't expecting it and frankly it was uncalled for. So So, yeah. Well, I I am going to take that and put it in my magical white light box where all of the goodness in the universe constantly penetrates this box. It's a place that we can set aside our concerns and our worries and our problems and let the universe's pure white light and love just permeate and work on it. Set it there. Put it in there. Can I, and can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, now that the problem is in the white box and the universe is bombarding it with white healing light, what would you like to be thinking about and focusing on instead of that? Fun thing. <laughs> What's a fun thing? Fun thing. What's a fun thing to you? Um. Well, going racing is a fun thing to me. Oh, my God. When you race so hard that you go around a corner and you spin out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And all those veterans in the back of the car go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> <The> chick's going <laughs> out! <laughs> Exactly. 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 Fun things. Fun things. So, if anybody, uh, Amanda, if you have anything you'd like to put in the uh, in the uh, magical white box. Um. I'm doing okay. 
I have a lot of other people in my world who need your magical white box, but right now, okay. My uh, little sister had to put her dog down yesterday, so mm. I think that I am feeling her from a thousand miles away. Oh, <laughs> it's not mine. She's just really breathing hard. Needs a white box and a therapist. Why don't we teach <laughs> grief 101 in elementary school? Have you ever wondered that? Little kids lose friends, they lose pets, they lose loved ones, but no one teaches them how to grieve. Isn't that messed up? Uh, you know, I wonder a lot of things about our society. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. You know, I just think, like, the person who lost her innocence when she was a teenager was taken away, and then she lost a baby, and then she lost my dad and my grandma and then a dog, like, in a few years. You don't have skills to deal with that. Hi. Anyway, that's the only thing going on in my world that's kind of heavy right now. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm kind of an expert in that. <laughs> I'm an expert in that shit, boy. I had, had like six, eight, ten major losses within a period of about five years. I was grieving my ass off. Yeah. Hey, do you want me to send you a, a, a you want me to send you a document about grieving? Yeah. Can you send it to her? Oh. Yeah, it's good. It's just a simple thing put out by a hospice organization. And uh it's like uh one of the most healing things about reading it is just reading through it going, yep, I feel that way. Yep. Oh, wow. Other people feel that way. Oh, my God. That feeling is part of this. Oh, okay. I'll email it to you. And if you can encourage her to read it. Yeah, I sure would appreciate that. And for you, I have a, a bit of advice, um, which you probably already noticed, but everybody grieves in a different way. And often personalities come out that are opposed to the way, it's almost like people can become the opposite of what they normally are when they're grieving. And the best advice I ever got because, of course, my whole family, my whole huge family was all grieving the loss of my mom and then my dad. We were all doing it at the same time and trying to stay together. Um, give everyone a wide berth. Just realize that everyone grieves in a different way. Yeah. And you might see, you know, really weird behavior. Just give everyone a 
a wide berth, realize that they're grieving and they're going to act weird and uh, give them white light. Yeah, it's one of those things, right? It's like, you, it just doesn't, it's not like there are no quick fixes, you know? It's kind of like, um, was it that I had someone who was like, they they were talking about losing a child and they're like, you know, projecting forward that someday it's not going to hurt. And I was like, when does that stop hurting? <laughs> like, I get that over time it eases, but... You know, like when do you when does it stop? I like to say any day now. <laughs> yeah. Any day now. Okay, I'm sending it to you right now. I'm sending it to both of you, Cheryl. I, I don't know if you'd like to have it in your toolbox. I'm sending it to you. Other than that, um, things are pretty good. I finished my book this week. And oh, I am, uh, woohoo! I'm breathing through all of the uh, hilarious feedback that I'm getting. <laughs> it's really fun. I could write a whole book just on dealing with feedback from a book. But um, it's all good, and I'm almost done, and so onward, ending the ending the chapter. Let's say. Big step. Yeah. So I have something to put in the white box. Okie dokie. Um, it's, uh, it's my slow season. And um, I shared this privately with Cheryl. But, um, oh, actually, both of you. <laughs> I have freaked out to both of you. Thank you both. Um, my, um, I need to increase my income. And uh, I haven't been stressed about money in a long time, but I'm starting to be stressed. And um, yeah, feeling a little paralyzed and disappointed in myself and all the usual feelings. 
So I'd like to put that in the white box with our other concerned concerns and let the universe bombard that with white light for a while. Thank you. I support that deposit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. truth in spite of appearances box. Okay, I'm inspired to draw a little picture of it and send it to you. (laughs) I never draw things. I don't know why I'm inspired. Here I go. I'm getting my pens. Well, as far as I have been able to track, and from what it says on my phone, we're on the last week of this go-round. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. I don't know how possible, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're we're in August, right? It's scary. How did that happen? Right? (laughs) So fast. So, so fast. Yeah. All right. So, I have, let's pull up this tab here. Deep. Blind. I have these. Half moon shaped windows. There's a name for them. I can't think of what they are right now. I have big picture windows, and then above them, I have windows that are like a half a, you know, instead of a full circle, they're like a half a circle. I have these little shades that go in it, and every so often my shade falls down. I just came in, and it's laying on the ground. (sighs) So you get to get up on a ladder and reinstall that? Um, Actually, I can do it. I can do it on a chair. It's just, it's a pain in the butt. Because it's like an accordion style shade, so I have to get the shade to go back together, and it's been put together and taken apart so many times that it's kind of given up the ghost. So I have a different, I have another shade I might try putting up there instead. So, anyways.
So when I was reading the cautions and conclusions, concluding observations, um, I underlined. Um, I, this this hit me this time maybe differently. Maybe it's because of the particular climate we've been in. I'm not sure, but it says if the masses begin to move forward as suggested in this book, neither government nor industrial systems can check them. All systems mm -hmm. must be modified to accommodate the forward movement. If the people have the advancing minds, have the faith that they can become rich and move forward with a fixed purpose to become rich, nothing can possibly keep them in poverty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Individuals may enter upon a certain way at any time and under any government and make themselves rich. And when any considerable number of individuals do so under any government, they will cause the system to be so modified as to open the way for others. And then it talks about, you know, getting rich on the competitive plane as opposed to the creative plane. More people that get rich on the competitive plane, the worse. The more that get create get rich on the the creative plane, the better. The economic salvation of the masses can only be accomplished by getting a large number of people to practice the scientific methods set down in this book and become rich. These will show others the way and inspire them with a desire for real life with the faith that it can be attained and with a purpose to attain it. When you enter upon the creative plane of thought, you will rise above all these things and become a citizen of another kingdom. Yeah. There's that. Was basically talking about you know about rising above competitive. Governmental rule. I'm trying to follow and I can't find that. What are the first couple words of that paragraph please? Um, the economic salvation. Yeah. Probably about six or so paragraphs in. Well, got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, and then skips a couple to, um, but remember that your thought must be held upon the creative plane. You are never for an instant to be betrayed into regarding the supply as limited 
or into acting on the moral level of competition. Whenever you do fall into old ways of thought, correct yourself instantly, for when you are in the competitive mind, you have lost the cooperation of the mind of the whole. The reality is I think that's the biggest, you know, that's the biggest downfall with being in the competitive mindset. Basically, it short circuits our connection with the mind of the whole, as he says it here. It was interesting. I I'd never picked up before on the fact that it um, um, you are never for an instant to be betrayed into regarding the supply as limited. I don't think I picked up on the word betrayed before. Pretty strong word. Huh, I would have read right past that. Yeah, I have in the past. But it jumped out at me today. I was like, whoa. Remember that your thought must be held upon the creative plane. You are never for an instant to be betrayed into regarding the supply as limited or into acting on the moral level of competition. Yeah, that's a pretty strong, pretty strong sentence. And I skipped on a couple. No matter how tremendous an obstruction may appear at a distance, you will find that if you go on in a certain way, it will disappear as you approach it, or that a way over, through, or around it will appear. No possible combination of circumstances can defeat a man or woman who is proceeding to get rich along strictly scientific lines. No man or woman who obeys the law can fail to get rich any more than one can multiply two by two and fail to get four. And then I like this paragraph just because I like the phraseology of it. Give no anxious thoughts to possible disasters, obstacles, panics, or unfavorable combinations of circumstances. It is time enough to meet such things when they present themselves before you in the immediate present, and you will find that every difficulty carries with it the wherewithal for its overcoming. That's fascinating because, of course, the miracle says that too. Basically, that God gives us no assignments without the means for their accomplishment. So it's very similar to me concept.
I like that. I like that the seed of the solution is born at the same moment as the difficulty maybe. On this one, guard your speech. Never speak of yourself, your affairs, or anything else in a discouraged or discouraging way. Never admit the possibility of failure or speak in a way that infers failure as a possibility. I like how it attributes this to that these doubtful conditions basically exist for those on the competitive plane, but they can never be so for you. You can create what you want and you are above fear. And basically how I read that is there's fear on the competitive plane, but on the creative plane, the creative plane with the mind of the whole, I guess. So it's an interesting little nuance that I hadn't really picked up on before. The fear and doubt is based in the competitive plane, not the creative plane, which makes sense. And this I've seen happen when others are having hard times in poor business, you will find your greatest opportunities. And that is so true. That is people that I know that have created larger things for themselves. They've basically done it at times when it looked like it shouldn't be a good time for doing it. But also that's when you can get some of the greatest deals on things too. So. I remember Ursula talking about that when the market crashed. Now's the time. Everyone else is, you know, depressed and hopeless and, like, you know, possible to get out there and do something great. Yeah. I mean, it's a time when it's hard to, you know, stay in the creative mindset, but just practical purposes is a time when you can get great deals on things like real estate and other things because, you know, everything's being sold at a fire sale. So not to take advantage of people, it's just there are great deals out there at that time because everyone's trying to get out of something. So, yeah, I like that, you know, train yourself to think of and to look upon the world as a something which is becoming, which is growing, and to regard seeming evil as being only that which is undeveloped. And I use that so often now. Always speak in terms of advancement. 
Yeah. I need to do this last week. What do you mean? Um, view the situation as things that were undeveloped. Mm. So that I didn't engage in undeveloped behavior. Just kept telling myself, just just keep that tongue holstered, girl. You're just only going to be here a few more days. Mm, A great countdown. Oy, oy, oy. Oh, man. A lot of energy, though. A lot of energy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's exhausting to try to... There's, like, time limits, right? I have my, like, my friends that I can hang out with for weeks and never run into anything like that. And then I have people that, that, you know, my in-laws were, like, my two-hour, my two-hour hangout. (laughs) That was my cap. Like, I was, like, I can, I can be, I can be who I really am for about two hours. And after that, I'm going to turn it into a monster. (laughs) Yeah. Undeveloped. An undeveloped monster. (laughs) Yep. A little bit of a harsh start up to the week. So I started out a little bit in the weeds. It's kind of being corrected by... Jack's friend the morning of surgery when I'm trying to get everybody out the door of the hotel. So that was not a calling back she instead of they. So. Jack was in the bathroom and Jack's friend said, I just would like to advocate on behalf of Jack. And just give a gentle reminder about pronouns. Calling Jack they instead of she. Hmm. It's important. Sounds like, hmm, hmm. Uh, well, it's not a good, not a good uh, first correction at six in the morning, trying to get the kid out the door to get to the hospital, have major surgery, and I just wasn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take it very well. So I didn't emotionally, I didn't take it very well. Partly because I've been working really hard on calling Jack Day, and so you know I'm in the you know I'm in the middle of a stressor, and 
you know, so I fell back on some old habits, but it wasn't disrespectful. It wasn't me being disrespectful or not honoring Jack's wishes. It's that I have almost 30 years of calling Jack she. And so, I mean, I say Jack and I, you know, I really try to use the they pronoun, but so, uh, I just was, I didn't. I didn't know the friend. I mean, I've never met the friend before. So it was 12 hours into knowing them and to have them tell me that they feel compelled to advocate for Jack with me. Um, you know, that's not, it wasn't okay with me. That's between me and Jack. And I didn't really feel like it was a friend's place to do that. And, um, I for sure didn't feel like it was a friend's place to do it the morning of the surgery or 12 hours into having a relationship with me. So, and I just thought all of it, the timing, the whole thing was just, this is not good. So, you know. Oh, I just said, you know what? I can I appreciate that you care about Jack and I have so much bandwidth to try and hold shit together. And right now I'm doing my best. I'm doing my very best. So right now I'm trying to get my kid to the hospital for a major surgery. That's that's what I'm up against. That has to take priority over everything else. And so I fall back on old habits, then so be it for this morning. I just only have so much bandwidth. And that's all. It's a bandwidth issue. It isn't anything else. So, and the friend was like, well, I understand. I just wanted to give a gentle reminder because I think it's important. And I said, look, bandwidth. I don't have bandwidth to have this discussion with you. I don't. I do not. I heard you. Thank you for your concern about my kids. Let's move on. Because I just, lived, I just, you know, you. I just couldn't. I just couldn't, and I just think it was totally fucking inappropriate for that friend to do that. It's just inappropriate. So, and if Jack co-signed on that, then, you know, then Jack and I'll have to discuss that because Jack needs to have an open and honest discussion with me and not farm me out to their friends. Because I've earned more than that. I've earned way more than that. So, yeah. So I just really, I, I just, that was as much as I could really say on that topic at that time. And I just, so it was just a week of that kind of stuff. And I just was dancing, just trying to remind myself that, you know, I'm dealing with people who are still young and immature and undeveloped, literally undeveloped. And so... Um, and also, you know, in the middle of a of a physically demanding emotional circumstance, and you know, Jack was not prepared for the outcome of the surgery and how much their body was going to look different, and Jack wasn't prepared for any of that. And so there was fallout, and nobody wanted to deal with that. Everybody wanted to be all high in the sky and focus on he, she, and they. And for fuck's sake, there were bigger issues, man. So 
you know, like my kids unraveling in front of me and not because I'm saying she instead of they. That's not, that wasn't what, why the kid was unraveling. So, and everybody kept inserting themselves between me and Jack all week. So finally on the last day, I just went in Jack's room and closed the door behind me so nobody could get in there and just said, look, you and I got to talk, kiddo. So, and then we were able to talk and I was talking about, you know, like what I saw happening with Jack unraveling because of the physical changes. And I just said, look, it's okay. It's okay. The fact that you're the one that chose to have the surgery and you wanted it and now you're freaked out by it. It's okay to feel that way. You don't, you don't have to pretend like it's all roses and sunshine. It's okay to feel freaked out by the fact that you did this and now you don't know who you are right now. Like, it's okay to be doubting the decision that you made. It's okay to be doubting that you had the surgery. It's okay to feel however you're feeling. Freaked out, panicked, scared, overwhelmed, doubtful, unnerved, all of it. Whether you chose to have the surgery or not, you're still allowed to feel the way you feel about all of it. If you're happy about it, fantastic. If you're freaked out about it, that's okay, too. It's okay to feel all the things, not just the things you expected to feel. So then she had a big, they had a big, you know, like let down and cry. And yeah, I wasn't expecting to feel all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't know how you could not, <laughs> you know, it's been your potty for a long time. So it's a big change. I don't know how you could feel any other way. So. You know, I mean, I was grateful to at least have that kind of authentic conversation at the end. And, you know, I had to pull a lot of resources to do it because I, you know, I just wanted to do right by my kid, regardless of the way all of them treated me. I'm still the mother. And so two wrongs don't make a right. So me acting like a dick on top of everybody else acting like a dick wasn't going to make things better. So, and I knew if it didn't get brought out into the light, it was going to hamper Jack's recovery, and I don't want that. I don't want that for Jack. So, well, it was a little dicey, but we got through it. And so that's what I'm saying. I used the undeveloped thing just to remind myself that, you know, these are just people that are not, they're not there. You know, they're just, they're not there. And the girlfriend wasn't there physically, but was there by FaceTime and other things. And, and the girlfriend is my age. So I would have expected a little bit more from that, but I don't know them. I've never met her. So I talked to her on FaceTime for like three minutes because she wanted to meet me before the surgery, whatever the fuck that means. So I don't know why we didn't interact afterwards. So <laughs> I don't know what the point of it was, but whatever, just an odd, odd situation, so, so, yeah, undeveloped, sorry, well, I was just saying, it's such a hard, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm struggling with just having to deal with it in a professional aspect, coaching someone who's, like, immersed in, this conversation and um, like I can't even imagine if it was like someone that I'd known for 30 years 
you know, trying to make that change. So, I mean, kudos to you for trying and keeping yourself together and being honest and still being there for her. Yeah, that little girl at the hotel room, she is so like I didn't snatch her up by her hair. I mean, honestly, that was that was that was a really hard moment. That was a, that was a hard moment. I'm thinking to myself, you're here having spent the night in a hotel room I paid for as my guest, and you have the balls to like pick your moment here, lady. Thirty minutes before we're gonna, you know, well, less than that, fifteen minutes before we're gonna arrive at the hospital is the moment you're gonna pick to advocate for my kid. Like, give me a fucking break, man. It, you know, like, pick the moment. And also, and also, how were you not advocating for your kid by flying to the other side of the country to be with her? My point exactly. My point right. exactly. My point exactly. I am more financially in it than my kids. All this stuff was paid for through yeah. Obamacare. So my kid is in it exactly no dollars, and I'm in it over a grand. So I pay for the flight to go out there. I pay for the hotel room for all three of us to stay at to make it more convenient to get there the next morning because we have to be there at O'Dark 100. And the thank you that I get is a friend telling me they're advocating on behalf of my child with me, against me, at me, whatever the fuck. Like, give me a break. Yeah. You know, I'm not. So I'm trying to understand the the heightened nature of that the words are more important than anything else anybody does. And I don't understand that. I genuinely don't understand that. And that's the conversation Jack and I'll have to have is, you know, everybody in the family is taking all of these actions to love Jack and support Jack. But if we have a misstep about a pronoun or falling back to calling Jasmine instead of Jack, somehow we're disrespectful and negating everything. And I just don't see it that way. Nobody's turned their back on Jack. All of us are there loving and supporting. So, you know, that's been my problem with this whole thing from the beginning and in in general in, as she calls it, or as they call it, the community is that everybody wants compassion, but there ain't fuck all compassion coming back towards all the families that are in the middle of the process too. Like Jack's not the only one going through this. All the rest of us are too, and we're expected to grant, you know, this huge football field of a gate of compassion. But, you know, the amount I'm granted is, you know, I can't even be allowed a little bit of slack on the morning leading up to the surgery. Like that to me, that's just that's not cool. So you know, so there there was rub on on and off throughout the week. Every time I I felt you know put in my place about things that I thought were unnecessary given the circumstance, and I was trying hard. Um, so you know, I, I finally just as I finally just withdrew 
And I just didn't speak unless directly spoken to about any of it. I didn't give any opinions about anything because, you know, I was just basically told audibly and non-audibly that it wasn't really appreciated. And, you know, Jack said, you know, I appreciate your feedback, but my, my girlfriend is a nurse, and so I'm going to do a what she tells me to do. I was like, fine, don't ask my opinion. Like, why are you asking? You don't want it. So I didn't say that. I said that in my head. I didn't say that out loud. I said, okay, whatever you need to do. So, but I know that Jack can read my face. So I know Jack knew how I felt about it, but I don't, I, at some point I was just like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, I just didn't know why I was there. And so, and I think that Jack didn't know why I was there. They invited me there and didn't really know why. And I think they expected something, but they didn't know what it was. And I think Jack just wanted the security blanket of having a parent there, but they didn't want anything else in the equation. So... I think they wanted me to be seen and not heard and just be there and be of silent support. So that's what I ultimately did is I just withdrew and I hardly talked, hardly said anything to them. So I did what was asked and otherwise I didn't render any opinions. So it was it was rough. It was a rough rough experience. So but then when help was needed to shower or do any of that stuff, then it was, Mama, will you do this? Mama, will you go to the pharmacy? No. Yeah. So I just left feeling like Jack and I are going to have to have some discussion because I'm not going to do a repeat of that experience ever again. And not the first time it's been difficult, but... Is definitely the most difficult time. It's been difficult, so. And I'm not interested in uh, repeating it. So these are the reasons why I've stopped, you know, going to visit them as often and offering help with things financially and otherwise because I, I, I don't feel like it's the right thing to do. I feel like it's supporting things that aren't what I want to support and behaviors I don't want to support. That kind of treatment, I don't want to endorse it. So, Well, and you deserve better, at least if it was reciprocal, you know, if you were getting the respect that you are doing your damnedest to give, that would be different but it's not coming back. Yeah. I know you. I know you keep showing up, but you it's just part of your, like, taking care of you. Yep, it's a balancing act, and so, and, you know, at at the very end, the last conversation, Jack and I, had Jack was 
saying negative things about the way that their dad has supported them through this. And I actually stepped up and defended their dad. And, you know, and again, it was the name thing, you know, that, that, you know, Jack said that their dad has told them it's really hard to let go of it, you know, hard to let go of the name, hard to let go of, you know, having two daughters, hard to let go of all of it because Jack doesn't want to be called by the name. Jack doesn't want to be referred to, you know, as a daughter. Uh, We can refer to Jack as a child, but not a daughter. Um, You know, all of it, all of the Mm -hmm. everything. And so it's just, you know, and Bob's been honest about the fact that it's really hard for him and that's the way that he thinks of things. And, you know, so Jack's mad about their dad having a hard time giving it up. And I just said, listen, Jack, here's the thing. You know, and so Jack said, you know, I just don't feel supported. And I said, well, I have to say, I'm going to defend your dad a little bit right now. And you may or may not like it, but I'm going to, and here's why. Everybody in this family has planted their feet. They're standing by you. They're supporting you. They're here for you. They're loving you. Nobody has rejected you, abandoned you, or walked away from you. We are all here. We're still here. We're in your life. You're in our lives. We're doing everything that we can do to show you that we love you. Nobody has turned their back on you. A lot of people in your circumstance, that's their story. It ain't yours. I want to encourage you to feel all the love that is coming your way instead of demanding that if it doesn't come exactly the way you want it to and exactly the timeline you want it to, it's insufficient. Because it's not insufficient. What's being done for you is not nothing, kids. We're all staying in your dad's house right now while he's out of town including his ex-wife. Like, we're all staying in this place. Your dad's letting you stay here for the next two months while you recuperate. You know, he's financially sponsoring this little expedition over the next couple of months. I flew across the country to be here for you. At the last minute, at expense. Stepmom's going out of her way to be helpful to you. Your grandparents, nobody has rejected you or turned it back on you. Even though they don't understand it, they still love you. So before you negate everything everybody has done, you might consider that everybody is showing you an exceptional amount of love and support and care. And yes, we have missteps. And yes, there are things that you would like us to get better at that it's taking us time. But if you could open your heart to all the ways we are being there for you, I think you would feel more love. I feel like you want it in a specific way only. And so all the other ways where we are showing you love and support aren't being seen, which means you can't feel it. 
and it would be a shame for you to miss the amount of love that's being directed at you. I would be sad for you to miss the amount of love that is being directed at you. And then Jack just looked at me and said, that never occurred to me. It never occurred to me that everybody's taking all of these actions to show their love and support. Well, I hope it does now because you're missing it, which means you're missing how wonderful that would feel if you could if you could see it and let it in. And so I, I was glad that I said that. That was like that was the last conversation we had, and you know, I just gave him a hug and told him I loved him, and you know. My airplane. So, you're an amazing mom. Thank you. It's a tough week, (laughs) and I didn't feel a lot like one, but in hindsight, I think I did an all right job. Uh, so yeah I mean just you know thinking about trying to be in this space you know being in a loving space myself and in my head and trying to contemplate everybody in the situation which is why I didn't want to lash out at the friends because that wasn't going to help anybody either they're doing what they think is the right thing and I get that so You know, I've needed to come home and lick my wounds a little bit. So. Parenting is hard. Yeah. So, well, back to what we're talking about with the science of getting rich, the part about when you make a failure. When you make a failure, it's because you have not asked for enough. Keep on. And a larger thing than you are seeking will certainly come to you. Remember this. You will not fail because you lack the necessary talent to do what you wish to do. If you go on, as I have directed, you will develop all the talent that is necessary for the doing of your work. So. Honestly, I feel like I was being given tools to have those conversations when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I was having somebody build up the talent right there while I was there to do some of that stuff. Hard to know what's the right thing to. I mean, I'm in a situation I've never been in before. You know, trying to walk through something I've never walked through before. Frankly, that I'd rather not be walking through. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't sign up for this. This is, you know, I mean, it's not my journey, and it is now. I mean, I'm in it now. It's the kid's journey, but 
by proximity is mine. And it's just, you know, I don't understand it for the most part. I mean, I don't judge it. It's just. It's just stuff I don't, you know, I don't, I don't understand the need for all of it. And to me, it just ends up feeling divisive, not inclusive. And we're doing all of it to be inclusive, but there's so many damn labels that it just feels more divisive to me than inclusive. So it just, it just ends up to me feeling like a separator. So. But that's my limited scope of things, you know. It's part of an agenda, you know, to divide us. There's a bigger agenda at play to separate us into uh, different communities and tribes. And because, you know, what happens when we separate into different communities and tribes, right? We just take each other down. It's easier to... We can be easily distracted, let's say. It's part of the conditioning. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about Jordan Peterson's work is he's talking about how this has kind of taken over the, uh, especially the university. So it's just a constant conditioning of the mind that it's us against them on race, Mm -hmm. on gender, on politics, on economics, it's us against them. So, I mean, as much as it's impossible to not take any of that personally because it was so personal, um, being being part of that community, your kid is being inundated with that message all the time. Like, that was the truth that hit her because it never occurred to her that maybe, <laughs> you know, there's any other way. Like, her mind has been conditioned. It's very hard. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to show we love without having to be tied up in a specific word or pronoun. So. Doing yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, I just want my kid to be okay. Yeah. Food is a thing. I just want to. I just want my kid to be okay. So. I don't need anybody to advocate at me for that to be true. So. You know, that was just a misstep, and but it was a bad setup for. The rest of the time, putting me on notice that that's how I'm perceived, and I have permission to do this. So, wasn't wasn't a good good experience. So, so yeah. Well, what about the, I didn't have really much else in the, this chapter. Did anybody, what about the last, did anybody else have anything else in this chapter that they wanted to chat about before we move on to the last one? 
Oh, I guess one more thing, gratitude. Uh, this part talks also a lot about gratitude, which, you know, is always one of my favorite topics. Mm-hmm. Where the thing is on gratitude, but I know it's in here. Oh, yeah. Then most of your leads is like the very last sentence of the chapter. Spend most of your leisure time in contemplating your vision and in cultivating gratitude and in reading this book. It contains all you need to know of the science of getting rich. You will find all the essentials summed up in the following chapter. I don't really have specific things outlined necessarily in the last chapter because it's a recap of everything. Here we go. Too much stress cannot be laid on the importance of frequent contemplation of the mental image coupled with unwavering faith and devout gratitude. This is the process by which the impression is given to the formless and the creative forces set in motion. We have to have the mental image, the unwavering faith, the devout gratitude, and then we have to take action. That's the action part. None of the other things happen. They don't go anywhere. don't get any legs, so to speak. So when doubts creep in, what do you guys do? Am I muted? Can you guys hear me? No. Nope. No. I was just think I was just thinking what do I do? I guess it says it right there that too much stress cannot be laid on the importance of frequent contemplation of the mental image, coupled with unwavering faith and devout gratitude. Yeah, and somewhere somewhere in one of the previous chapters, it talks. I think it talks about if we get into doubt, that to fall back on. Um, contemplation of the vision for a couple of days. Okay. 
I remember correctly, that's what it says, is to, is to fall back on contemplation of the vision. So, so that we're then steadfast with it. I also talk to myself. <laughs> and I pray my ass off, too. Right? Pardon? I want to hear what Amanda said. What did she say? Oh, I was saying I talk to myself, too. Um, but another thing that I do, and I think maybe this is just, like, part of my, the fact that I just finished working on this book, is... Um, I I try to um, try to remember like I try to go back and remember the truth in the sense of that it's already shown up in my story um, multiple times. Like if all this is true and I'm still here, fine, okay. At 38, what are the chances that I'm going to be, you know, left hanging like? I try to remember. Yeah, I I hear you. I went through all that shit, and really, this is the end? (laughs) I think I missed a piece of that. Hmm? I think I missed a piece of that. What did you say, Alan? I was trying to um, summarize um, what Amanda... I was more snarky than it. I was way more... Amanda wasn't snarky at all. I snarkily summarized what Amanda said so in a lovely way. (laughs) I said... I don't even know what I said. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck I said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. Laughter is good. I'm going to go crawl in that box, okay, you guys? <laughs> Just put all of me in there. <laughs> God didn't bring me this far to drop me on my butt. And also that part where, you know, it talks about things aren't working out the way we'd hoped and, you know, we haven't asked for enough. So that's always a good reminder for me. Yeah, that's a good one.
pretty well. I am consulting next week, so I will not be around. Not to be around next week. Well, we finished, right? I don't know. Do you, want... you want to just start? Second. Said we finished the book, right? So should we just send another start time? That or are we going to? What would y'all like to do? Maybe switch to that other book. How to get what you want? Uh, the ones we did before? Yeah, there was another Wallace, Waddle, Wallace Waddles book that we've done before. But I'd love to continue our talks. Maybe we could just take a week off. Or Amanda, I'd be happy to meet with you. We can, yeah, we can cool. decide later if you want. I, c I could really use it. I know that I've been flaky when Cheryl hasn't shown up, but um, I would commit to meeting you next week if you're up for it. But let me know. You don't have to decide now. Yeah, I'm, I know that I'm pulling out of the deadline right now for a client for next week. So I'll take a look at her calendar and see. Everything, it, it is kind of funny how fast everything goes, though, when you're done with a book. Everything else feels like, oh, it's easier. I don't know how long that's going to last, but I'm going to enjoy it and get as much done as I can. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, why don't you two, if you, if you, yeah, let's say we, you know, if you two want to meet next week, that's, that's great. I, um, you guys just want to call each other on the phone or do you want me to set up the conference line? Um, I guess we could just call each other either way. Yeah. Okay. I want you guys to decide which what we're going to do next and let me know. How's that? Sounds good. Cool. Okay. All right, ladies. Thank all right. you. All right, ladies. Yeah, thank thanks. you all. Have a great all week. All right. We'll talk to you later. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye.